Angus MacOak is a righteous man. Ask anyone in town, they'll agree, although many of them would put the little word self in front of the big word righteous. Angus has been an elder of the Kirk for over 20 years. He would like to be clerk of session before he dies, but he won't say it. That would anticipate the demise of the present clerk, Fergus MacWillow. Angus serves his community. He's been on town council for years. Never as mayor, though, Edward MacWillow has that seat in perpetuity. Angus has not missed a service in Knox Church in his entire adult life. Now, he doesn't count the Sundays in the summer when services are at the United Church. On those Sundays, Angus worships at home, rising early to read at least a dozen psalms. But 48 Sundays a year, Angus and Katrina are in their church, in their pew, second from the front, left of the aisle, facing the piano they gave the church in memory of their daughter, Flora. The minister wishes Angus didn't sit so close to the pulpit. The McWillow family are all members of Knox Church, and now they, they don't all go every Sunday. There's always at least one McWillow in their pew, to the right of the aisle, second from the back. Fergus, the patriarch of Knox Church and of the McWillow family. Angus and Katrina sit in their pew alone. They are reserving space for the memory of their dear daughter, Flora, and for their son, James, if he ever comes home to visit. Angus isn't sure that he likes the new minister. She's only been at Knox Church for three years. The McWillows welcomed the Reverend Dr. Christine, call me Chris, just Chris McPine, from day one. Even old Fergus looks on her, the first woman minister of Knox Church, he looks on her as a, a kind of daughter, a highly educated, very articulate daughter who brings new life to the old Kirk. On this Sunday, Chris takes as the text of her sermon Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. She says she will preach a, a series of sermons on the Psalms, Angus's beloved Psalms. He leans forward to listen carefully. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on God's law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, and this is, this is one of Angus's favorite phrases in all of the Psalms, in all that they do, they prosper. Now, Angus doesn't stop there, of course. The next words are, the wicked are not so. Angus doesn't stop, but Chris does. Angus isn't surprised. He thinks the new minister should be more realistic and less hopeful. She should tell the truth about human nature. The new minister goes on to talk about trees, willow trees. She loves to see willow trees, especially if they're close to water. It's as if their, their reaching, drooping branches are bending down to drink 
from the stream, heavy with, with rich green leaves, drinking their fill. Now willows thrive by sending their roots out far and wide to take nourishment and more water from the earth. As they grow, wind shakes the willows, but they grow strong as they grow. They're beautiful. They may not be the tallest trees or the most common, but they're beautiful. And they can live a long time. So Reverend Dr. Chris says, the righteous life that the whole book of Psalms describes and invites us to live is the same life Jesus offers to us, abundant life. This is the life that Jesus calls us to accept and live. And we don't live this life by following rules, being more concerned about what we don't do than what we do. Yes, the Torah, the law that's mentioned so many times in the Psalms, includes commandments and warnings. But the Hebrew word for law doesn't refer to an ancient criminal code. Torah means teaching, instruction in living for free people. The Old Testament Torah is a story of a people learning how to live as God's people, trying, failing, learning, growing as they move forward. Now, Chris often quotes one of her favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, and Buechner said, God's law is the work of God. It has been stated in seven words, whoever does not love abides in death. Now that's 1 John 3.14. Beekner goes on, whoever does not love abides in death, like it or not, that's how it is. The preacher's conclusion is, well, like Psalm 1 says, there are two ways to take on life in this world and we have to choose a path to follow. So let's go with love. Now Chris doesn't say it. Angus hears it. Thou shalt not be a Mac Oak. Thou shalt be a Mac Willow. And on the way out to church, he, he gives a nod to the new minister and walks away, leaving Katrina to share pleasantries. But what about Angus and Katrina's son, James, Jimmy? And I may as well tell you about Edward, Mayor Edward's son, John McWillow. Everyone knows him as Jack. Jimmy McOak and Jack McWillow are about the same age, mid-30s now. They both live in Toronto. They don't come home much. Angus is afraid of Toronto. The McWillows go to see Jack, and they like the city, and somehow, when they're there, they always see Jimmy, too. Jimmy and Jack grew up together. They played together during recess at school. They were in the same Sunday school class. Jimmy went to youth group and sang in the choir. Jack started to go with his father on nice, warm Sundays to worship God in creation, delighting in the green of greens and the shimmer off a trout's skin when sunlight and a McWillow catch it. 
as soon as they were old enough to ride their bikes further than the end of their streets. Jimmy and Jack spent every Saturday, every Saturday Jimmy could steal away from home, to ride out of town to the riverside. One Sunday, Jimmy had a sapling, a tiny tree, its fragile roots wrapped in a scrap of burlap. He went behind his father's greenhouse and found the tree in a pile of weeds and dead plants. He picked it up. Jimmy stole a shiny trowel from Angus's spotless, sacred shed, and together he and Jack planted the tree by the water. It was a maple. Jimmy was 12. Jack was 11. They stopped going out to the river when Jimmy went off to university at UWO in London. Jack wasn't university material, as Angus so often said. The next year, he went to London, too, to Fanshawe College. And they both ended up working in Toronto, two young, single, small-town boys, men, in the big, scary city. And on this Sunday, they come home together. Before they meet their parents, Jimmy and Jack pull over and walk down to the river. Is the tree still there? It is. They can just make out the date Jack carved in the bark on their last day together at the river. Then they drive into town, first to the Mac Oaks, with their news. They tell Angus and Katrina that they will be staying together at the McWillows. Then they say they've come back to town to get married. Angus turns, goes into the study, closes the door quietly. Katrina, tears in her eyes, embraces her son and son-in-law-to-be and whispers, I always knew you two would end up together. Now, Edward McWillow and his wife Judy have known about the relationship for a while, but the engagement is a surprise and the wedding date is a shock. Judy doesn't know how she can plan a wedding in six days. And then she stops. She asks, where? The McWillows have always had their weddings at Knox Church. Can we do that? I know we could if we went to the United Church, so maybe we could have it there. And Jack says, Mom, it's all arranged. We will be married, rain or shine, under our tree by the river. I called Grandpa Fergus about the church thing, and he knows there could be trouble. But he gave us his blessing, and he said the congregation would too. Well, most of the congregation. Jack looks at Jimmy. Jimmy shrugs. Reverend Chris will do it following her conscience, she said, and she loves the idea of having the wedding at the river. News gets around town. The congratulations and blessings far outnumber the cold shoulders and awkward silences. Silence. Silence for six days. Angus speaks to no one, 
No one dares interrupt his silence. Katrina is used to these silences. And she and Judy get together and plan a celebration out at the golf course for after the wedding. Angus reads his Bible. Angus prays. Angus sits and looks out the window. He does not go to see his pastor. He knows what she will say. And he wonders if she's right. And what did that man she quotes all the time say? God's law is the work of God. It has been stated in seven words, whoever does not love abides in death. Like it or not, that's how it is. Now, Angus already knows the quote about love from the first letter of John. But it's those last words that sting. Like it or not, that's how it is. And how often has he said that after quoting an Old Testament, thou shalt not? Saturday's here. Everybody is out at the little clearing among the old trees and one young maple. Everyone means several dozen MacWillows. Grandpa Fergus will stand with Jack to witness his vows. There's just one Mac Oak. Katrina will stand by her son. So everyone is facing Reverend Chris. And then she sees over their heads someone is coming from behind them. Later at the golf course, at the party, Angus will clear his throat. And everyone knows when Angus clears his throat, they better listen. Five years ago, I lost my daughter. I cannot lose my son, especially when I get another son along with him. He will look at his pastor and say, you know, Chris, willows are beautiful, but oaks have deep, deep roots, and their branches reach way up to heaven. We can learn a lot from both.